And now, WBW Theatre. Welcome to WBW Theatre. Listen to a series of radio dramas, comedies, mysteries, thrillers, westerns, all dedicated to preserving the golden age of radio. Those thrilling days of yesteryear, way back when families gathered together around the living room radio to join the theater of the mind. Listen now, as we take you way back when imagination ruled and creativity had no limits. Listen now to... WBW Theater. Mercury Theater on the Air presents Ryan Kiernan as Count Dracula in his own version of Bram Stoker's great novel, Dracula. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Arthur Seward. I am here tonight to bear witness to the truth of certain events, which you may find it hard to believe, but I ask you to believe them. I have certain documents, telegrams, clippings from the press of the day, memoranda and letters in various hands. All needless matters have been eliminated. Through the history, almost at variance with the possibilities of contemporary belief, they stand forth as simple fact. I present you... First with the excerpts from the private journal of Jonathan Harker. I, Jonathan Harker, lawyer's clerk. Articles to Peter Hawkins, Esquire, of Exeter, England. I'm writing this journal in hope that if misfortune overtakes me, it may one day come to the eyes of those who love me. I set out from London on the last day of April to visit one of our clients in Eastern Europe on May the 3rd. I arrive in Budapest, and came after nightfall to Klosenberg, on Bordier of Transylvania. At Bistrix, there was a letter of welcome for me, from our client informing me that his carriage would await me at Borgo Pass. It was signed, Dracula. Bukovina, coach for Bukovina. The road was rough, but still we seemed to fly over it with feverish haste. When it grew dark, there seemed to be some excitement among the passengers. They kept speaking to the driver and looking at me and urging him on with a greater speed. The crazy coach rocks from its great leather springs. The mountains seemed to come nearer to us on either side. Coachman! Coachman! What is it? Where are we? You are nearing your destination, young hare. This is the Borgo Pass. There are black, groaning clouds overhead, and in air the heavy, oppressive sense of thunder. Now we go through the pass. The young hare is not expected after all. You are early tonight, my friend. A caliche, 
with four horses, had drawn up beside us. Let me help you, sir. The coachman smiled, and the lamplight fell on hard-looking mouth with very red lips and sharp-looking teeth as white as ivory. We began to move. I looked back. The coach, with its load of passengers, had vanished from sight. We swept into the darkness of the pass. I struck a match and was within a few minutes of midnight. Then, a dog began to howl somewhere far down the road. The wind was rising, moaning and whistling through the rocks, and the branches of the trees crashed together as we swept along. It grew colder and colder still, and fine, powdery snow began to fall. The bane of wolves sounded nearer and nearer, as if, as if though they were closing around us from every side. We kept on ascending, always ascending. The howling of the wolves was growing less. Presently, it ceased altogether, and just then the moon broke through the black clouds and... By its light, I saw around us a ring of wolves running alongside the carriage in silence, with white teeth and lolling red tongues, with long, sinewy limbs and shaggy hair. Welcome to my house. I must have fallen asleep. The carriage had pulled up in the courtyard of a vast ruined castle. The coachman was nowhere to be seen. Welcome to my house. Come freely, go safely, and leave something of the happiness that you bring. Count Dracula? I am Dracula. The face was strong, very strong, aquiline. The mouth, so far as I could see it under the heavy moustache, was fixed and rather cruel-looking, with peculiarly sharp white teeth. Mm. You hear them, Mr. Harker? The wolves. The children of the night... As you say, Mr. Harker, the wolves listen. Come now. There are many things you must tell me tomorrow of England and of the estates you have purchased for me. Ah, yes. The estate is called Carfax, I believe. Yes, that's so. But now, I will detain you no longer. You'll find your room in readiness, and I advise you not to leave it during the night.
castle is on the very edge of a terrible precipice. A stone falling from the window would fall a thousand feet without touching anything. I explored. There are doors. Doors? Doors everywhere, all of them locked. The door to the great hall, the door to the courtyard. Every door in the castle is closed, bolted against me. Castle Dracula is a prison, and I am a prisoner. The next night, I could not sleep, so after a few hours I got up, and lighting my candle, I placed my shaving mirror on the dressing table, and was just beginning to shave. Do you feel rested, Mr. Harker? I had not seen him, although the reflection of the glass covered the whole room behind me. I turned to the glass again. Count Dracula was close to me, and I could see him over my shoulder, but there was no reflection of him in the mirror. It was blank. I started and cut myself on the side of my throat. The blood was trickling down my neck. Ah! My mirror! The blood, the blood wiped the blood from your face, Mr. Harker. And take care how you cut yourself. It is more dangerous than you think in this country. When I awoke, I found most of my things were gone. My passport, my notes, my letter of credit. I could find no trace of them anywhere and my door was locked from the outside. June 20th. There is work of some kind going on in the castle. Now and then I hear the faraway muffled sound of a mattock and spade. And last night, the second of three dated letters which Dracula made me write, the second of that series which was to blot out the very traces of my existence from the earth went forth. Dracula. Yes, my young friend. Well, what of me? When am I free? When can I leave this place? Free? Mr. Harker, you are always free. You want to leave? Would you like to leave tonight? Yes. Yes. In God's name. My dear. Young friend, not an hour shall you wait in my house against your will. Come. Follow me. Hmm. 
Your door seems to be bolted. How strange your door is locked. In God's name, open it. As you will, Mr. Harker. You English have a proverb which is very close to my heart. Welcome the coming, speed-departing guests. Good night, Mr. Harker. Shut the door! Shut the door! Shut the door! Shut! The door is shut, Mr. Harker. I take it you will remain. Morning, June the 30th. These may be the last words I ever write in this diary. God preserve my sanity. I have never seen Count Dracula by day. At sunrise, at the first cock crow he is gone, I... I don't understand these things. I only know that... The wolves are bane, and that he is a man with hair on the palms of his hands, with sharp teeth and no blood in his face. He casts no shadow, he cannot be seen in a glass, and he moves like a bat across the sheer face of the castle walls. He eats no food, and is... Mortally afraid of the crucifix. As I write this, I hear in the courtyard the rolling of heavy wheels and cracking of whips. And there is in the passageway below a pound of heavy boxes being set down. Boxes shaped like coffins. And I know what they hold. Boxes are filled with holy earth from the chapel beneath the castle. The last box being nailed down. And now I hear the heavy feet tramping again. The door is shut and the chains rattle. In the courtyard and down the rocky way, the roll of heavy wheels, the cracks of whips. Help! Help! The wagons have gone. I'm alone in the castle. I'm alone in the castle. I'm alone in the castle. I'm alone. I'm alone. I'm alone. I'm alone. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dr. Seward. Mr. Harker's journal terminates at this point. I now present in evidence a clipping dated August of that year from the Yorkshire Telegraph from my correspondence in Whitby. One of the greatest and sudden storms on record was experienced here today. The weather had been somewhat sultry, but Saturday evening was fine. The band was playing. The piers were crowded with holiday-makers. 
The winds went away entirely in the evening, and there was a dead calm. There were but few lights at sea. The only sail noticeable was a foreign schooner under full canvas that was seemingly going westward. A little after midnight came a strange sound from over the sea, and high overhead the air began to carry a strange, faint, hollow booming. Then, without warning, the tempest broke, and there, with all sails set, was the foreign schooner rushing with terrific speed towards the shore. A searchlight was turned on her, and there lashed to the helm was a corpse with a drooping head which swayed horribly to and fro at each motion of the ship. A moment later she crashed. Then a strange thing was seen. At the very instant she touched, a huge dog sprang upon the deck from below, and running forward, jumped from the bow onto the sand, and making straight up the east cliff toward the graveyard, vanished into the night. The coast guard going abroad at dawn found the dead man fastened to a spoke of the wheel. Tightly clutched in one hand was a crucifix. In the pocket of the dead man's coat was found a bottle, carefully corked, containing a roll of paper. This proved to be an addendum to the ship's log. There was found on board only a small amount of cargo, and that of a most unusual nature. Apparently the ship carried nothing but earth. Common earth, packed away in wooden boxes shaped much like the coffins. Log of the Demeter, Russian flag. Black Sea to Whitby, July 6th. Finished taking in cargo, a queer cargo, boxes of earth. At noon set sail, east wind fresh, crew four hands, two mates, cook, and myself, captain. July 11th entered Bosporus. At dark passed through Dardanelles. Mate reported in morning that one of crew, Wilden, was missing. Took larboard, watched eight bells last night. He was relieved by Dalian who never came to his bunk. There is something about this ship. <laughs> no. Don't laugh, Captain. In the rain last night, oh? a tall, thin man go up to the companion way and along the deck forward and disappear. When I go to bow, no one. And the hatchways were all closed. July 22nd. Rough weather last three days, all hands busy with sails. No time be frightened. Past Gibraltar and out through straits. All well. July 24th. Last night another hand was lost. Disappeared. Like Talisian, he never came off his watch at midnight. We never see him again. You take your watch now. I don't take watch alone no more. No will I. No more. Double watch. Double watch. July 29th. Had single watch tonight, as crew too tired to double. When morning come. Hey! Hey! Balaki! Below! Balaki! Where are the guns? Balaki gone down like the others. <laughs> like all the others! The mate and I have agreed to go armed henceforth. July 30th, last night. We are nearing England. Weather fine. All sails set. Captain, Captain, the men on watch are missing! More missing! Now only self and mate and one hand left to work ship. August 3rd. Two days of fog and not a sail sighted. At midnight, I went to relieve the man at wheel, and when I got to it, 
I found no one there. It's here. I know it now. I saw it like a man, taller and thin, ghastly pale. It was in the bowels and looking out. I gave it my knife, but the knife went right through it, empty as the sack. What are you talking about? He's here, and I find it, and it's in the hold. It's one of those boxes of us. I'll unscrew them one by one and see. He's mad, stark raving mad. It's no use my trying to stop him. He can't hurt those big boxes. They are invoices common earth. Ah! He's there. There. Down. Down in the hole. I know the secret now. The sea will save me from him. It's all that's left. It's all that's left. August 4th. I am all alone on my ship. And still the fog. I dare not go below. I dare not leave the helm. So here all night I stayed. And in the dimness of the night I saw it. I saw him. God forgive me, but the mate was right to jump overboard. It was better to die like a sailor in the blue water. But I am captain and I must not leave my ship. I have tied my hands to the wheel. When my strength begins to fail, and along with them I shall die that which it dare not touch. My crucifix. I am growing weaker, and the night is going on. God and the Blessed Virgin help a poor, ignorant soul trying to do his duty. Telegram. Seward. Pure fleet to the Van Helsing, Amsterdam. Lucy Westerina in alarming condition. Cannot diagnose. Come at once. Seward. Telegram. Van Helsing, Amsterdam to Seward, Purfleet. I am on my way to you. Please arrange for me to examine your patient immediately upon arrival. Van Helsing. Ladies and gentlemen, I shall now explain that six months before the events recorded here, I had become engaged to a young lady, Lucy Westerina. We were to be married in the spring. My old teacher, Professor Van Helsing, arrived at four the next afternoon. I took him at once to Lucy's house. She lay in her bed asleep. She was ghastly, chocolate pale. The red had seemed to have gone even from her lips and gums, and the bones of her face stood out. Young miss is bad, very bad. She must have blood or she will die. She is not anemic. The qualitative analysis of her blood is quite normal condition. It is strange. I do not like to think how strange. Look, my God, her throat, look! The black velvet band that she always wore dragged up a little and showed a red mark on her throat. Just over the external jugular vein were two punctures, not large, not wholesome-looking. The edges were white and worn-looking. Well? Well, what is it, Professor? What is wrong with her? Speak frankly. You can tell me the worst. I wish I could, Seward. I wish I could. But I do not dare. But you won't tell me anything. I will tell you this. Your young lady is in a danger greater than death. You must believe me. If you leave her for one moment and harm befalls, you will not sleep easy thereafter. September 8th. I sat up all night with Lucy. Arthur, I'm afraid. My dear, you can sleep tonight. I'm here watching you. Nothing can happen. And I promise at any sign of bad dreams, if I see anything... 
I'll wake you at once. Oh, you will? Will you really? Then I'll sleep. I sat all night by her bedside. She did not wake once during the night. Although the boughs or a bat or something slapped almost angrily against the window pane. September 11th. Still quoting from my private journals. This time I received a message from Purefleet. It read, 10.20 p.m. St. John's Hospital. Serious complications. Case 891. Your immediate presence in London imperative. I had no choice. Sometime later, a paper was found among Lucy Westerner's belongings. I write this and leave it to be seen so that no one may get into trouble for me. I went to bed as usual, taking care that the window was closed as Dr. Van Helsing had directed. About two in the morning, I awakened. I went to the door, called out, Arthur! Arthur! There was no answer. Something's broken the window! I'm in the room alone. I dare not go out. The house seems to be empty. The air, full of specks, floating, circling then the draft from the window. The light burns blue, dim. What am I to do? Something's very sweet and very bitter all around me, like I'm sinking into deep water. They're singing in my ears. You shall be the flesh of my flesh, the blood of my blood. September 12th, late. Only resolution and habit can let me make an entry tonight. We found her sprawled on the floor, and there was a draught in the room from the broken window. The throat was bare, showing two wounds, looking horribly white and mangled. We are too late, my friend. We have failed. God's will be done. She is dying? Yes, she's dying. Stay beside her. It will make much difference. Mark me, whether she dies conscious or in her sleep. It was late in the afternoon before she opened her eyes. Arthur. Oh, my love. I'm so glad you've come. I took her hand and knelt beside her. Her breath came and went like a tired, peaceful child. And then the light from the setting sun fell on her face. And then, insensibly, a strange change came over her. Her eyes grew suddenly dull and hard. Her breathing was heavy. Her mouth opened, and the pale gums drawn back made the teeth look large and sharp. Arthur, oh, my love, I'm so glad you've come. Kiss me. Bend down and kiss me. Run for your life. Run for your living soul and hers. Lucy! She's dead. Poor girl. Lie in peace at last. The end. Not so. It is only the beginning. Wait and see.
extra special extra special Kensington horror. Westminster Gazette, September 25th. A Hampstead mystery, the Kensington horror, and the woman in black are vividly recalled to mind by a series of events that have taken place recently in the neighborhood of Hampstead. Several cases have occurred of young children straying from home or failing to return from playing on the heath. In all these cases, the children have given their excuses that they have been with a beautiful lady who offered them chocolates. In all these cases, the children have given their excuse that they have been with a beautiful lady who offered them chocolates. In each case, the child was found to be slightly torn or wounded in the throat. The wound seems such as might be made by a rat. Extra special or small dog. Extra special extra special Rompsteora Read about the beautiful lady Read about the beautiful lady Extra special Hamsadora Another child injured by the beautiful lady We've just received intelligence that another child missed last night was only discovered late in the morning. It has the same tiny wound in the throat. Well Seward, what do you think of that? You mean to tell me, my friend, that you still have no suspicions as to what poor Lucy died of? Nervous prostration, followed on great loss or waste of blood. And how was the blood lost or wasted? You are a clever man, my friend, and a good doctor, but do you not believe that there are things that you cannot understand? You're wrong, Seward. Are you aware of all the mysteries of life and death? Can you tell me why in the pampas there are bats that come out at night and open the veins of cattle and horses and suck dry those veins? Hmm? How on some islands of the western seas there are bats which hang on trees all day and then, when the sailors sleep on deck because it is hot, sweep down on them and then in the morning are found dead men, as white as Miss Lucy was. I understand none of these things. After tonight, Seward, if you dare to come with me, Perhaps then you will understand. Join us again as we bring you exciting thrills and adventure, rip-roaring comedy, and shoot-em-up westerns and gangbusters. Next time, when your imaginations will be invited into the theater of the mind that is WBW Theater.